0: Welcome to Let's Chit Chat Wellness and Travel. I am Chandria Singleton, and we're going to get right into our interview today. We have the BCIT program educators, and they have come to us, you guys, from Canada. So I'm so excited. I'm going to give a soft introduction, and I'm going to let each one of them tell us more about their sales. First, we have Haley Olson. Haley, for the last four years, has been working as a nuclear medicine technologist and a PET slash CT technologist in British Columbia, Canada. Currently, she is an instructor and clinical coordinator in the Nuclear Medicine Technology Program in BCIT, which again is located in Canada. And she's passionate about sharing the MRT or medical radiation technology profession with everyone. And they are going to really dive deep into that topic today, you guys. So stay tuned. Next, we have Christy Owen. Christy is also a nuclear medicine technologist, but she is the program head and faculty director of the nuclear medicine program of BCIT. She is a registered technologist in nuclear medicine. She's also a proud Canadian Association of Medical Radiation Technologists. She holds that as well. So we, we want to talk about these licenses and associations as well. She's a member there. She also has 13 years of clinical experiences specializing in pediatrics as well as adults. 15 years as an educator and leader. She's one of the two program heads in the nuclear medicine program at BCIT and has also been elected to serve on the board of directors of other organizations. So welcome, Christy. And Thomas Wong is our last guest coming from BCIT. He's the co program head of their nuclear medicine program. He's been a full time instructor there since 2013, you guys. Prior to teaching, he has worked as a full time nuclear medicine technologist in the Canada area. He's worked as a full time nuclear medicine technologist in a Canadian hospital there locally and served as the clinical supervisor for students. Now, during his breaks, he wants to keep his skills up, and we're going to talk about that too, because that's what we do no matter what direction we go in. He continues to provide casual, relief for other technologists at a local hospital. So welcome, everyone. Thank you Ooh. for having
1: us. Thanks for having us.
2: Yes, thank is,
0: you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I did that soft introduction. Now, you guys, tell us who you are. Tell us about yourselves and what it is that you do.
1: Well, you gave us such a nice introduction. I can tell you, you picked three very passionate people who have just cared greatly about their career and the field of nuclear medicine. So yeah, thanks so much for having us. I Really appreciate the nice introduction. Yeah, my story basically is history of pediatrics and now sharing the program head role with Thomas over here at the British Columbia Institute of Technology. So we're the only nuclear medicine program in BC, Canada. So that makes us a bit unique. And yeah, we're all actually alumni of the program. So we graduated directly from that program. So that's pretty cool. I was wondering, though, if you wanted us to just give a brief overview of what nuclear medicine even is, because I know there's a lot of people out there who are like,
0: what the heck is nuclear medicine? So I know. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> with it. Tell us, because I want to know what you guys do as well. You know, who are you? What it is that you do? We know your nuclear medicine tech. So yeah, tell us in a, you know, in a nutshell, because we'll, we'll dive more into it. But tell us what do nuclear medicine techs do?
1: Yeah, you bet. So nuclear medicine is basically the study of biological tracers that are attached to a bit of a radioactive component. So a small amount of radioactive component is tagged onto a tracer and administered to a patient. And the patient can have it via intravenous or, or orally or inhalation. And we kind of follow that tracer and the body can process it naturally, you know, according to the, the patient's body function. And so depending on what tracer we give, it will go to different organ systems and we can image that using either a SPECT CT camera or a gamma camera. And or sorry, a SPECT CT camera or a PET CT camera. And, and we use those images to manage and treat disease. So we're one of the types of diagnostic imaging, but we also do quite a few therapeutic procedures as well. The cool thing about nuclear medicine is it's really, and also it's able to detect very small changes on a cellular level. So that's what, that's kind of what makes us unique. And we also have like the ability to do quite a variety of scans. We can basically scan any organ or body system in the body. So it's pretty, pretty cool that way, but. I will pass it over to Thomas and Haley to add anything and introduce themselves further. Yeah,
0: thank you so much. That was very enlightening.
3: Christy kind of gave a nice little summary of what nuclear medicine is, and you know, touching on on kind of aspects of like what our role is in healthcare. It's we are part of the medical imaging family, so it, it's I sometimes joke we're kind of the lesser known cousin within the medical imaging departments, but we're usually right there. And a key component, as Christy said, is in the doing procedures that help with the diagnosis of various pathologies. And depending on the tracers that we use, it, it can be used for things such as heart disease, bone conditions, even cancers. There's a variety of procedures that, that we use with respect to the tracers. In terms of kind of my experience, I primarily worked in a kind of a general nuclear medicine department, so mostly adult-based, so I don't have as much kind of experience as as Christy has in the pediatric world. So a lot of the procedures that we do are kind of the bread and butter nuclear medicine tests, which include a lot of cardiac work and also kind of bone imaging and working with a variety of kind of adult patients. So the, the audience kind of knows is that, you know, as we get older, there are quite a few kind of elderly patients that do come in too, but to we, we see a variety of different patients in the setting that I've worked in.
2: So I'll just let everyone know. I'm a more recent graduate. So I graduated from BCIT in 2019. So I've been working in the field for a few years. I got lots of experience working at various sites. So I actually picked up casually at four different places throughout the lower mainland here in BC. One of those sites was at the BC Cancer Agency, which has a PET CT scanner. I've gotten a lot of experience through those different work sites and seeing kind of the diversity that we have in, in nuclear medicine. One of the exciting things with PET that I'll talk about is that there's a lot of research happening in our field. So it's really exciting. There's a field called Theranostics, which is basically combining this diagnostic imaging that we can do with a therapeutic procedure. So. You can deliver really targeted treatment. And I think it's really exciting that we have this kind of going on in our
0: field. It's something I'm super passionate about.
2: And uh, oh my
0: goodness. So the, I'm learning some stuff here. And Haley, I mean, I think you need a balance, especially as educators. I love that you guys' program has new graduates as well as grads who've been in the field for a number of years. because. It's more relatable to the students. They're bringing in different ideas and different things. So kudos to you guys for doing that. Can you describe the role and responsibilities of a nuclear medicine technologist? Maybe like day to day, because we have students that follow me on social media here on LinkedIn or new technologists, maybe, or technologists like myself, who are maybe looking to transition into nuclear medicine. Because my story is I actually applied and got into nuclear medicine school back in 2006. And that was what I wanted to do. I was so excited about it. And the first day of school, unfortunately, my father had a massive heart attack. I had to spend 30 days in the ICU with him. So I never really got back on track to take that chemistry and really kind of focus my brain back on nuclear medicine. But the program chair was so amazing. She just was like, you're always welcome to come back as long as this school is here. And that just touched my heart. And it really speaks to what the imaging modalities are all about and what imaging is all about. We really support each other and we want people to know and other technologists to know the options that are out there for them. So can you describe it, kind of help people to see a, a picture, whether they're a technologist or not? What is it like being a nuclear medicine tech?
3: Department. In terms of the day-to-day, and this is actually something that I really like, love about the job is the variety of different roles and tasks that we do on a day-to-day basis. I guess in terms of the the start of the day, because of the tracers that we use, the, one of the first things we do, the technologist comes in is to to come in and prepare the radioactive tracers. So there is the lab work component. So this is where you get to kind of to apply some of those chemistry skills and get in there with the different types of solutions and stuff like that, doing some quality control on the tracers, making sure that they are labeled the way that they need to be so that they go, when we administer them to the patients, that they are going to be useful for for that purpose. Once we get the tracers made up, the other aspect of the job would be ensuring that the equipment that we're using is suitable for imaging. So our as Christy mentioned, the camera that we use is a gamma camera or a SPECT CT scanner. The day-to-day task involves doing some quality control on the cameras, making sure that they're, they are operational and that they're taking images the way that, that provide the clarity that's needed for, for the diagnosis of the, for the patient diagnoses. Now that we have the tracers, the equipment ready, now comes the patients. Then the technologist has to switch over from the technical side to that people side. And that's where the patient care aspect comes in. This is where we need to bring in our patients. Explain the procedures to the patients. Larva tracers involve administration through injections. All technologists are trained to perform IVs as well as the puncture. So we administer the tracers to the patients and schedule them in to come back for their images. And that's kind of the, the latter half is the imaging part. So, you know, ensuring that the physicians have the images that they need to provide the diagnosis. And in doing so, there's also some computer processing and displaying those images in a correct way for the physician to interpret. I kind of took a little snapshot of of a day. <laughs> Yeah, that was
0: a good snapshot because as you were talking, I was thinking about my days in CAT scan and nuclear medicine was right next door when I first got out of radiology school and nuke med techs and CT techs. We worked really close together and it's like, who's going to put the IV in first? Who does the patient first? And med will call and say, do you need a 20 or a 22? Do you need it in the AC or can I put it in the wrist? You know, we just really had a close bond with the nuke med techs because we, I worked in a cancer center when I first got out of school. We would put each other's IVs in, whoever had the patient first or leave the IV in and bring them right over to CT or nuke man. So A lot of these modalities crisscross, and that's where Haley does the CT and PET as well. But it's so interesting how all of our modalities are different, but we're very much alike and we we work very closely together. So thank you for giving Giving me that visual, as I'm sure many others got that visual as well. Anybody else have anything to chime in on that question? I think Thomas did a fantastic I think, job. <laughs> I was visualizing it as you were going, Thomas. I really was. It brought back 20 years ago when I was doing with the Nuke Med Texas CAT scan. So that was great. I do want to know this. You talked about switching off from the technical side to the patient care side. I remember the technologists having to put the isotropes or something into the patient, and they would have to come to CAT scan. They would drink first and then go to go to nuclear medicine after they got the isotopes in, then they could go to lunch. That was the highlight of those patients. It was like, <laughs> they were like, I get to go to lunch and walk around and I'll be glowing when I go to the cafeteria. So I, they were so much fun. But, you know, you get a relationship probably in nuclear medicine with your patients, right? Because Absolutely. a lot of them, you know, yeah. could you talk a little bit about it? You're not going to go into nuclear medicine most likely as. Yes cranking in, them out. You get a relationship with people, kind of like radiation therapy. What do you guys say about that? Definitely
1: pipe in from a pediatric standpoint, because a lot of the imaging procedures that are done in pediatric nuclear medicine, the, the patients are coming back on a very regular basis. You really get to know their families. You get to know the kids. You really feel like you're connecting with them. They come to the department and they're like, is Christy here? I need Christy to do my IV. Because of course, last time it went well for Christy, <laughs> but you know, Hopefully, and, you know, it does that most of the time, but it's not not a guarantee. But when you have that kind of connection with patients and that patients that come and come back and repeat and come see you, you really you kind of get a bond and it's sort of an action towards them, them and their family and feeling like you're really making a difference in their lives. So that's something that's been a very rewarding part of my career when I was when I was working at Children's Hospital was that just that follow through of just seeing that patient growing up, you know, so over five, five, seven years, they would come back and you'd see them, you know, consistently. So kind of part of the family, they're bringing us cookies and, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know, just, you know, and then the alternative is that, you know, the the, the more difficult side. And that's the, you know, the patients who, you know, they're oncology patients. And those are the, the really tricky ones that, you know, their journeys aren't always as positive. From a technologist perspective, there's that emotional kind of struggle that happens when you do have a bond with some patients. And you lose them or or you hear that they've taken a a turn towards the negative so that's definitely something that was was a struggle for me personally when i was there more so when i when i had my children because of course then you know it became exceptionally real but it did have such a big impact knowing that even having them there the kids had to be there anyways so if i was there and made their day like just the little tiniest bit easier then that was really rewarding for me. I was like, that's enough. I can, I can deal with my emotions, you know, just if I can make them just have the, the day go a little easier then I was happy.
0: Yeah. That's like pee.
1: Yeah. Sorry. I m- <laughs> might've gone off on a tangent there, but just.
0: no, I was just going <laughs>
1: to jump into an ad that some people
2: might not know. Some of the scans in nuclear medicine are quite long. We have some scans that take up to two hours. So you really do get that bond with your patient. You really have a chance to build rapport. I know it's quite different from CT scanning, where it is kind of in and out, you're with them for, you know, a couple minutes and then you never, yeah, you never see them again. There's really quite a bit of time have those conversations and you really get to know someone.
0: And I think it's so specific because when I started in CT, I worked at a cancer center. You see the same people over and over, either until they went into remission or unfortunately the the disease took them over and been out of cancer but nuclear medicine that's pretty much what are some of the things that people come in for when it comes to nuclear medicine because it's not all cancer people think people only get x-rays and they break a bone but i know (laughs) the medicine is not all cancer right so just maybe like what are the top 10 things you guys that people come to be diagnosed through nuclear medicine or reasons they get that test
3: so i I think that naturally, I think some people think when, when they associate radiation, they go to the direction of, oh, it must be for cancer or cancer treatment or cancer imaging. And, and don't get me wrong, that is a component, uh, you know, a fairly big component of our tests, unfortunately, because it is a thing that we need to image for. If you look at the variation of different traces that we have, I mentioned cardiac-related procedures. So we have traces that are designed to i diagnose coronary artery disease, so looking for blockages in, in various vessels, and we image the heart muscle to see if it's adequately perfused. And we also have tests where we actually label a patients' blood cells, and we inject them back in, and we watch kind of where those go and see how how well the heart actually pumps, pumps out that blood. So we can kind of track and take a little movie, a little snapshot of of what the heart looks like. We also do a lot of bone imaging, so we can look for bone fractures. We can look for various bone metabolic conditions, as well as potentially some some bone. You know, patient has cancer. We're also looking at whether or not the bone has, or the cancer has spread to the bones. We do lung imaging, looking for blood clots. We have liver imaging, where we look at how well the gallbladder works, whether or not there's any gallstones might be blocking and obstructing.
0: Let me ask you a question. At what point, because this, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off, but I like a conversation. (laughs) Because this is what regular people do. If you're looking for gallstones, because I go through CT, I do CTMR. So in CT, we always get gallstones. I mean, people come in for abdominal pain and it's like, no, you're not dying. You got a gallstone, blocking the duct, you know? So when would they go to nuclear medicine? Because you could either see that on ultrasound, which is less expensive. You could see it on CT, which is less expensive than a nuclear medicine tech. So what would make a doctor say you need to go to nuclear medicine for a gallstone? I would love to know that.
3: Yeah. So you you pinpointed it because we we often get patients that have had mul- a multitude of those tests and and it is often cases where maybe an ultrasound doesn't show you know, with an ultrasound, I, I think it is it does a really good job of detecting stones oftentimes. So you, you can image the gallbladder, see if there's any stones present in in the gallbladder or in the ducts, and, and they'd be able to kind of identify that. There are cases where Maybe the stone is smaller, and that 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 obstruction is is still there, but it's not detectable with the ultrasound. Similar with, with CT as well is that the, it can detect those stones. With it, with cases where a patient may have gone through some of those other tests, but they're still having some of the signs and symptoms that are pointing towards the possibility of, of having a gallstone that's obstructing the bile ducts. that would be a case where a nuclear tests, and it's called a HIDA scan, where where we would be performing that and. Th- th- the, the reason it works again, I'll, I'm getting really kind of nerdy and geeky now in terms of how how it works is that the tracer we use, it does get metabolized by the liver and it simulates as if it's going in with bile. So it, it would kind of follow the same pattern, flow pattern as what bile would do going into the gallbladder, pretty much like what, what the patient's liver would normally function. And we kind of see see if the, the tracer is actually following that, that pathway the way it should be, or if there's any sort of obstruction along the way. And maybe if it's not going to a certain area. That, that'll be a case where we can kind of pinpoint and help the doctors figure out that there is an obstruction along that pathway.
0: So this is why you guys, we are the third largest medical profession in the world and we are not just button pushers. I mean people we are need. need to know what all goes into each of these modalities. So I'm gonna get back on track because we we're talking about patient care, but thank you, you guys. This that was very, very helpful to other technologists because I think we all need to understand what each other does, you know, and it helps us to not depreciate what other modalities may do. And it also helps us to appreciate what other modalities do because we need ultrasound. We need, you know, T, you need MR. You need all of these modalities that come together with PET, CT, nuclear medicine, radiation therapy, and we come mammography. We come together and we can help the patient and us really understand Absolutely. it. Yeah. So I, I really love that because now I understand. I knew what a of scan was, but I didn't know what a of scan was. So now I know. was <laughs> oh, so yeah, we're talking about patient care and what it takes in nuclear medicine. Now, can you guys discuss the challenges? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back. What are some of the key skills and qualities that are important for success as a nuclear medicine tech? And how do you stay current with the ladies' advancement in technology? Because she, Haley was talking about a therapeutic, you know, so how do, how do you do that?
2: Yeah. So I think, I mean, some of the basic things are, of course, having a bit of an aptitude for science and technology, wanting to work in that kind of field. There are those kind of technical skills associated with our job that, you know, we do a pretty good job teaching, I like to think. Uh, But something that can be a little harder to teach is that interpersonal, you know, relationship and those skills of working in a team, being compassionate, being kind. You know, a lot of patients are really quite nervous about having radiation be put into their bodies. Uh, So you really do have to have those skills to build rapport, build that trust, to be able to, you know, get informed consent. And so those are can be a little bit harder to teach. So I would say, yeah, key skills and qualities that we look for are those personable, personable skills as well. In terms of staying current in the field, there's a lot that we try and, you know, instill in students. And one of the key things that we do is having that curiosity and being a lifelong learner because technology is always changing. So even just in the last few years that I've been working as a technologist, there have been new procedures that have come out. There's new research. So being able to stay current, you know, I, I personally, I like attending conferences. I like volunteering with my professional associations so that I can, you know, stay up to date on kind of the current trends and the best practices. Doing that, you know, continuing education is super important. And I think it just makes you a better technologist. And yeah, that's sort of how I do it. I keep working in the field. I hope I never give that up. Even now that, that I'm on that educator side, I love, I love being in the clinic.
0: So. Nice, nice. I love that. Anybody have anything else they would like to answer to that? Okay. So now we're going to go to the next one because I, I love this question. Can you discuss some of the challenges and obstacles that nuclear medicine educators and professionals face? And how do you work to overcome those challenges to ensure that your patient receives the best possible care?
3: Maybe I'll start with maybe talking from the educator's side and I'll point it to, to someone else to kind of talk about the, from a professional standpoint. I think, from an education standpoint, Haley kind of touched on it. Is the the fact that is, is as an educator, is how do we teach a field that is constantly growing and evolving, and that scope of practice, you know, doesn't doesn't kind of stay constant. It kind of is changing on a on a you know as we kind of um, get to new new advancements. We're finding that every time, you know, our association, national association comes out with a new, what's called a national competency profile, where it lists out what a entry level technologist needs to know in order to co-work, there are changes that that are constantly being added. And, you know, it it does become challenging within a kind of a condensed program. How do we, how do we kind of achieve that? I think sometimes, uh, again, this is just more of a personal standpoint. I find that a default answer that you'll hear a lot of educators say is like, oh, the student's now are different. They learn differently. I'm not sure I agree with that because I, I do think that the way people learn hasn't changed, but I think the way that information is shared has changed because we're in a digital world. Information is more accessible, so you know, I think that the, the methods that we use to to teach need to to adapt to that. You know, in, in the past, maybe there was more of a need to to kind of deliver that content because that that would have been potentially the only means for a student to receive that information. But now it's more of you know pivoting to to focusing on on that skills and 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 some of those 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 other important developments that need to happen. And I think I think that's where we really kind of try to focus on that kind of hands on experiential aspect, where where students perform a task and we we offer them that feedback and support along the way, so they can help with their development. Uh, sorry to kind of dive into kind of yeah. education side, but uh, that was good. Yeah,
0: that was very good.
1: Well, I guess I can probably make a couple of comments towards actually uh, like as a technologist. And I think one of the interesting things about working in healthcare these days, obviously, as everyone's heard, is it's it's challenging and it's it's the it's a long game and it's it's been, you know, big uh, marathon getting through COVID, even before that, you know, especially in Canada and and I'm sure the states as well, there's some resource issues, right? There's staffing issues and and human resource problems and you know, I think one of the really unique things about nuclear medicine is we're such a small community. Each department that, you know, within BC, like we we tend to basically know everybody that's a nuclear medicine technologist. And and you know, as you said, there's a lot of interprofessional education and opportunities to Chandria. So we have technologists that were nuclear medicine now are in MRI and N C T and you know, an ultrasound, and so you know, we we definitely have kind of like an outreach of 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 our community. But nuclear medicine itself is very small within Canada, and you know, we tend to be we tend to be close knit and tight. And we also that means that we are like very supportive as a community towards each other. And I think that's something that's really helpful to to help keep us strong in, mentally and in a self care perspective. Like our teams are built tightly. I mean, even within BCIT, our BCIT faculty team is tight or in whichever department I've ever worked in as a technologist, that's tight. And it's it's really interesting because it it does reach all the way to the US too. I mean, the physician that I used to work with at Children's, she works at uh Stanford and she's gonna be the upcoming president for the Society of Nuclear Medicine and Medical Imaging. You know, the the community is small. And I think that that that, you know, just that connection to each other keeps us kind of mentally mentally strong, you know? So I think that's helpful in this day and age in the healthcare system.
0: I love that because as you, as you said, Christy, you know, there's a shortage in staffing, even in the state, you know, I was just telling you guys a story, I had an employee call in sick. So I had to go out, you know, because there was a shortage you have, we have a shortage of contrast in the CT department.
1: Yeah, we did too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We still have it. We're still, we still like going to the major hospitals and borrowing contrast from them. You know, fortunately we have that connection and that, I don't want to say brotherhood or sisterhood, but it's <laughs> that radiology, you know. Family, that yeah, we're we're competitors in a way, but we're not when it comes to our patient care. When it comes to supporting technologists, and I I just love that over the years and the twenty years I've done it, we've had contrast shortages throughout the time I've done it a couple of times, but I've never been without contrast anywhere I work because you can call this hospital over here that's quote unquote your competitor, and they're like, "How much you need? How many syringes you need? You know, what do you need? Education? You know, there if you're a technologist trying to study for the boards, other MRI techs, you know, I remember trying to study for MRI registry. And it was hard registry. It was one of the hardest because it, it's nothing like radiology. It has, you know, it's not radiation. But the support I got from my fellow MRI techs, you know, as a new technologist was, like you said, Christy, it's just, you know, it, it's what we we are a small community in radiology. And we all just come together to make those challenges and obstacles sur- surmountable and really get the best possible patient care. And also, co-workers to our co-workers as well so this is re- that's really good now what inspired each of you to pursue your career in nuclear medicine because that's what technologists are going to know or students are going to want to know what inspired you to go to nuclear medicine
3: who wants to start if <laughs> you go
0: thomas go for it
3: sure okay i'll share share my story so it's interesting because with that question in terms of inspiring to pursue a career in nuclear medicine i i'm probably like many, many people didn't know what nuclear medicine was. It was, you know, going back to kind of, you know, my, my days in high school, I mean, the the big push wasn't to go to schools that offered these type of programs. The the big push was going to university. And if you couldn't get to university, you take the college route to try to get into university to transfer in. Like that was kind of the 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 you know that was kind of what my high school counselors would, would have kind of said. And where where I found myself was I was in probably a second year university, not really knowing kind of what direction I wanted to go in in terms of a career. I thought pharmacy was my my passion because I thought it was kind of a cool job i I did some part- time work you know working as a kind of in the retail pharmacies and I didn't really enjoy it, and also found that I wasn't that passionate about chemistry and I knew that pharmacy would probably involve a lot more chemistry and and I was like I don't know I don't know if I I can really say that I was that passionate about that and that's when I started kind of looking and browsing through different back then there wasn't there wasn't a website it was a catalog so I'm dating myself a little bit flipping through catalogs and and looking for um or options. And, you know, by the time I already finished my degree and, and still kind of looking and BCIT kind of caught my eye in terms of what nuclear medicine was. And I, I started looking into it. And I'm like, well, this seems kind of interesting the the lab work, I, I, I had a passion for science, because that, that was what, what my degree was in. And I kind of applied to a program, not really knowing too much about it, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions that I could have made because it brought me into a career that I did not wasn't even aware of. And and yeah, that that's kind of my story. So nice. I kind of stumbled okay. upon it, I guess. Yeah, um, well, maybe, that was
0: a good stumble. That was a very good stumble because I know the students are happy to have you. What, Christy or Haley? How did how did you get into nuclear medicine?
2: Yeah, I can share my story. It's sort of similar. So I kind of got pushed to that undergraduate degree route and I had a Bachelor of Science and I just there weren't a lot of job opportunities that I could kind of walk into with that. And so I was actually working at the BC Cancer Agency in like a clerical position. And so I would come across patient charts and requisitions. And I would see these reports that at the top, they said nuclear medicine report. And I went, what the heck is that? I had heard of x-ray. I had heard of ultrasound and CT. And I had no idea what nuclear medicine was. So I started doing some research and Googling it. At this point, there was a website, Thomas. So I found the BCIT website. (laughs) And I just thought this sounded so cool that we could image function instead of just structure. I thought that was super cool. So I ended up applying. And like Thomas, like it was just one of the best decisions I ever made. I find it so rewarding being able to have this positive impact on people that are going through something kind of scary and stressful. Like no one's ever really that happy to be at the hospital. They're there because something is going on with their bodies. They need answers. They don't maybe aren't sure what's going on or they've had a really difficult diagnosis and now they're managing their treatment. And so kind of like what Christy said too, if I can make that experience even just a little bit better, make them smile or, you know, make them feel comfortable and safe. That to me is just, it's
0: so
1: rewarding. It feels so good.
0: Oh, that's nice. I love these expressions. What about you, Christy?
1: Well, I think it's funny because, you know, there's going to be some parallels with with everyone who gets into nuclear medicine just because it's so not very well known. So everyone kind of stumbles upon it somehow. But I will say I'll just take it to like the next level. So I had a similar saying where I was, you know, in science, biology, and I was like, what am I going to do with this? Like, I'm not going to do research. I don't want to do research. And I didn't I didn't want to go the nursing route. You know, I love patients. I love the patient care. And I give nurses all the credit in the world. But I just the lifestyle of the 12 hour shifts and everything. It just wasn't something that I really wanted to pursue, you know, and. And I just remember in high school, it was so funny. I'll just, I'll swing back to my purpose in a minute. But, you know, in high school, I was like peer tutoring, you know, students that are younger than me. And I remember saying to like my my science 12 or biology 12 teacher, like, I really would love to be a teacher, but I don't want to, like, you know, high school students, they don't really want to be there. (laughs) I remember saying to him, like, I would love to teach students who really want to learn what they're learning, like who are passionate about what they're learning. And it's funny because I, you know, I stumbled upon the nuclear medicine program. I went through it and I remember being like towards the end of it and saying to one of my, you know, instructors and mentors, you know, at the time, I really hope one day I can work with you. I would love to, you know, reach students this way and teach them and, and you know, and share my passion of nuclear medicine, you know, when I get more experience and skills and all that kind of stuff. And And anyways, it turns out a couple of years later, you know, they had a, they had a position that needed to be filled on a casual basis. They called me back to BCIT and I was doing some, you know, some lab organization and, you know, some lab work with the students and kind of got my foot in the door. And I really found, so I love my pediatric career for sure, but I really found kind of my passion aligned with my previous love of like teaching and the nuclear medicine skills at BCIT is like really what, where I'm sort of happy
0: I love it these are nice expressions and they're very genuine as well so no more
3: catalog they've got a website now so <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I have the newspaper so
3: <laughs> they had a website just, so wasn't, lame, wasn't, uh, so just lame. all the information was more information in the catalog
0: yeah. <laughs> Thomas I'm there with you with the catalog I still get I got an ARP catalog the other day I'm gonna clip that out but I, I just had to say that okay so let me ask you guys what advice would you give younger radiology students or high school students that are looking to maybe go into the medical field? Each of you, maybe like in a a, a minute or so, What, what advice would you give them?
2: Yeah, so I think, I mean, I would say do a lot of research into what your options are, right? There's more than just being a nurse or being a doctor. If you want to go into the medical field, there's tons of different professions. So do some research, figure out what you think is going to be interesting And then I would recommend going to a local, you know, clinic or hospital, see if you can shadow for a day. That's going to give you a really good idea about, you know, if you can see yourself in that profession and it'll give you, you know, kind of a better idea of what you'd be getting yourself into for a career. So that's something that I did and that's something that I would definitely recommend to anyone who's looking at going into one of these fields.
1: Yeah, and I would agree with you, Haley. I did the same thing. I went to a department and I spent the day there. And I remember, and this just might be something you want to do too. I remember asking the, the the technologists that were working there, "Hey, what what do you like about your job? Like, wh- how long have you been working here? You know, what would you say is the most you know difficult thing about your job?" And I just remember thinking, it's so weird how much people like their jobs here. But that's so cool. <laughs> maybe that's a great, maybe that means it's a great career and a social sh- fulfilling career. So. I think, you know, trying to match something with your with your lifestyle and with your with your passion is is, you know, if you're passionate about, you know, having an effect on patient outcome and you want to do the patient care thing. But, you know, maybe you you want to have the technical side. I think you you could look into medical imaging and it's not just nuclear medicine, right? There's a lot of different branches of medical imaging and and ways that you can kind of you can do many. You can be cross-trained in many. And that's and that's there's lots of job opportunities there. So I think it's just kind of finding where your passions align with kind of what lifestyle you want to be in.
0: That's good advice. Great advice. Thomas?
3: Yeah, and I agree with everything that Haley and Christy said. It, it, it's really I think a lot of people when they, when they kind of think of a medical field or thinking of healthcare careers in general. I think I think oftentimes I hope that one of the goals is that they they want to work with people. They want to help people and and I think it's just being willing to, to explore that there are other career options that are in addition to doctors and nurses. And, and you know, it's really just finding kind of something that fits, you know, that interest and in, in, in those skills. Um, and don't be afraid to even maybe look out for opportunities that may volunteer in a hospital or a clinic. Because I, I think I always I sometimes tell tell the younger people I come across, I'm like, if, if you can get into a hospital to volunteer and you're like wayfinder, kind of showing people around, you also get to kind of see and explore all the different types of professions and, and seeing how, how they interact with each other. And that that could be something that really is a, a good starting point to kind of, you know, look for look for some of those opportunities and, and find programs on the websites to 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 seek how how to, how to get into those jobs.
0: Yeah, this these are really nice because I personally have learned a lot about nuclear medicine technology. Thank you guys very much. But I found it very interesting. BCIT is the only nuclear medicine program there. So tell us about your school, about your program, the curriculum, what people can expect from the curriculum and uh, how they can learn more about, even if they're in a the Canada area, you know, just how you can be a resource to them.
3: Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're the only nuclear medicine training program in British Columbia, so in our province. And there are a total of five programs in all of Canada. So we are we are a very kind of small kind of specialized kind of field in that sense. At BCIT, we really pride ourselves on kind of hands-on, industry-focused type learning. So, you know, with 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 our program, we we have a very unique blend of kind of theory-based courses, and that's kind of makes up the didactic component. And then we also have a big component of clinical. So the, the, the way that we integrate the clinical piece into our program is that we have students come to campus, they, they learn theory and they, they practice some skills, they get to do some of those skills in, in a lab setting. And then they go out to clinical and that's where they kind of really refine it and develop those skills in a real world and to to kind of achieve that comp C level that they need. So it really is a good blend of the two because the, you know, the, the one goal after you finish any program like this would be to find a job. And, and that's something that we really want to kind of equip our students with is that kind of job readiness. So once they graduate, that they're, they're ready to kind of get hired on and start working at, at the hospitals. Yeah. I'm not sure, Christy, do you want to add anything? to that or Haley?
1: Yeah I mean I'll just for sure I can add a couple things just that you know when when I was going through the program myself I loved that we were kind of set out to clinical fairly early on in the first year to kind of apply some of the things that we learned and it was really like an integrative approach where it built on built on the skills and built on the, the, the knowledge that we were we were getting and we were able to go to lots of different sites so we you know we saw you know a pet clinic we saw children's we saw a few adult sites. And now our students are going to spend some time in a dedicated CT department as well. So they do get a great variety, and I, I love that about our program. And and it's like not to shamelessly plug, but we just actually got a brand new, crazy, beautiful building called the Health Science Center, and it's in that it's, it's on campus at BCIT. It's the Canada's largest simulation health center. It's got a brand new spec CT, probably nicer than nine out of the ten local hospitals, and which is embarrassing to say, but you know we, we are so lucky right now with the, um, the studying that we're teaching our students in. And it's really, it's really exciting for them too. This is kind of the first, the first year we've been in. So we just moved in in June. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So yeah, so that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the lay of the land in our program. It's a two-year program. So they get about 40 weeks of clinical and it's pretty intense as far as that goes. And they come out with a diploma and then they take the certification exam. the certification exam, I think you mentioned in my bio. So we are all across Canada, we have a a national association called the Canadian Association of Medical Radiation Technologists. And that doesn't just include nuclear medicine, that includes MRI, that includes x-ray technologists, it includes radiation therapists as well. And so once our students graduate from the BCIT program, they're then eligible to write the national certification exam. So once they pass that then they can, you know, work anywhere across Canada. So it would be equivalent to, I don't know if you've heard of the NMTCB in the States. There is a there's a few other associations. So, ART. ART. As well. Yeah. 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 So what is pretty cool once our students kind of write the exam, pass the exam, we have a really fairly good pass rate as well they they're eligible to work across Canada of course we're always trying to keep them in BC because we're so short right now and so we have like a hundred percent hiring rate right now upon graduation which has been really kind of a a, an attractive feature for for candidates looking for looking for immediate work you know it's two years two grueling years but then you, you know you have a job that pays a pretty good decent wage as well
0: well that says a lot about your program that you have that many employers hiring through your schools. So that says a lot of the type of quality students that you put out at BCIT. So that's amazing. You guys, I have enjoyed this conversation and that's what I call it because it's been a conversation between radiologic technologists, imaging professionals. And that's what we need to have more of because we need to educate each other, support one another, and just get the word out there about the third largest medical profession in the world. And you guys are my first guest from Canada. So I was from Outside of the United States, so I'm so excited to have y'all. We're, We're so so thankful. honored. Yeah, <laughs> thank
1: you so much for having us.
0: Yes, this is and been we'll
1: over thank com- you and apologize.
0: <laughs> this has been a great conversation, and you guys, thank you so much again for being on Let's Chit Chat Wellness and Travel with me, your, your host Chandria Singleton.